Right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 1. I'm fired up this morning. Had a great week. Thank God for the Lord moving. Thank you for your prayers as we did a marriage retreat with a lot of missionary uh, there. That's a, that's a blessing. Half of Macedonia was there and thank the Lord for it and had a good time. Next Sunday is our missions revival. We don't call it mission conference. That sounds like something dead. We call it revival because we need to be alive about souls being saved. And uh, my favorite time of the year is when we can see that it's just not about us and it's not about this location and it's not about this building. Now we do have, we have shrunk the flags a little bit because we didn't want to put holes all in the wall, but I've got an idea if somebody can help me this afternoon to cover those windows. And so I need a little help. So amen, somebody don't want to have to take a nap, uh, help this old preacher. And we're going to get a little, a little decorations. But they refused to put holes in the wall because they had so many. Look, it's shot by a shotgun over the years. And so um, I miss those. So I put out a, little, a few little flags. And um, we're going to have missionaries going to Spain and Hungary and uh, Ghana. And I'm going to tell you something. The family going to Ghana has so many kids. Uh, he can't keep up with the kids to get them there. Amen. I mean, it's a blessing. Uh, somebody step out by faith with all those kids, amen. I wouldn't go by myself, but uh, you know they're they're going all all these this family. It's just going to be a blessing to meet them. And then Brother Staley gave up a great church up in Tacoma, Georgia. He's going to be a missionary to the military in Germany. And, and God help us to know that we need to help our military get saved. And they're stressed out, and a lot of them committing suicide. What they need is Jesus, amen. So it's going to be a great week, and we're going to determine. Uh, by faith, how much we can do by faith, and God can do great things by faith if you'll be a part of it, and that means that you'll make a faith promise commitment. This card that we'll hand out has not your name on it, because we don't want to know uh, who you are, we just know God knows who you are, but it helps us set our budget for the next year, if you want to call it a budget, or stretch our faith, it's not a pledge, it's not something someone will come to you and collect, it's not something you'll sit down and figure, you got to pray about it, and I want you to start praying about it, we'll hand out some cards tonight, it's not taken away from uh, what's already given to the church, most churches are broke when they're trying to give missions out of general funds, and I want to tell you something, I've seen churches blessed and out of debt because of faith promise missions, amen, we're $10,000 in debt and that bugs me good, and we're going to get out of it very soon, by Christmas we're going to be out of debt again. Amen. I promise you that, and uh, we're going we're gonna to ask God to, to meet that need, um, and I don't apologize for asking for that one minute, because last week at the Georgia football game, there was about 45 couples lined up from end zone to end zone, and they said, we're going to recognize these folks for giving each one of them over $100,000 to the University of Georgia Bulldog Fund, and I thought to myself, and I'm a Bulldog Fund, but I, I thought, good night, if they can give $100,000 to a football team, we can at least give some money to missions. And we can give money to retire the debt of the church. Amen? So we're going to do it. We're going to be out of debt by Christmas. Amen. You say, who's going to give? You. And uh, you say, I don't plan on it. Well, listen to God, because that's the way to do it. Amen? We're not having fundraisers. We're not having trash sales. We're not having uh, donut sales. We're not washing cars. We're going to ask God's people to live by faith. For missions first and then retire to the debt of this church. Amen. And I believe you can do it. I believe you can do it. Amen. 
Some of you right now has got $10,000 you're just dying to give. Well, let me tell you something. You don't have to die to give it. Live to give it. <laughs> Amen. Oh, there's some people that are not smiling. I wonder why. I think you're probably gripping your pocketbook more than you are your heart. Amen. You know, you want to kill a Baptist meeting, just shoot them in the wallet. <laughs> Amen. That's right. You're just bitching money. Whoa. You know, hey, I want to tell you something. It ain't your money anyway. It's God's money. I shouldn't come back from these retreats so fired up. I'm going to run all of y'all. I think, I think with all my heart that, folks, it, we're just stewards of everything that God gives us. And he says, step out by faith. And we're going to show you some exciting videos. Next Sunday night, Brother David Wade was in the group that I was ministering to, which I didn't know he was a member of that church. As a whole lot of missionaries, Brother Travis Campbell, a bunch of missionaries, uh, Brother Dean Hamby. I mean, they're all members of that church. I didn't know that. It's a 190-year-old church. Um, pastor didn't start it. But... Um, uh, y'all get that later, amen. Some of y'all, 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 y'all determined just to sit there. I can understand, but um, you know, I, I was, I was talking about our missions revival, and he came up to me and said, uh, "You got any openings?" And I had an opening Sunday night, and I said, "He said, could I come report in and show a video?" I said, "You know, you can do that. I want you to bring a video of your daddy's funeral, and I want to honor your daddy because he's the one that started Faith Promise in this church, and he he sacrificed." And he gave his life for Macedonia World Baptist Missions to be the mission board it is to help our church. And so we're going to honor Dr. Thurman Wade next Sunday night. So I hope you'll be here through his son uh, reporting in from the printing ministry. You know, and it's a great ministry, I'm telling you. And so I'm excited about it. I hope you get excited about it. If you don't get excited about it, nobody else will get excited about it. Your kids won't get excited about it. Visitors won't get excited about it. Folks, if you can't get excited about missions, there's something basically wrong with your heart. You know what it is? You're consumed with just America, and you're consumed with just you. You know what the greatest thing you can do? Just die to self. Let God's Spirit make you generous towards souls. Now, I want to ask a thing for me. I appreciate the Alaskan trip. I appreciate all you've done for me in 40 years. I never have asked for a raise in 40 years. Never. But I want to tell you something, I'll beg for missionaries. I'll beg for missionaries. Because folks, they go out of that field, and if the supporting church doesn't back them, they have to come back. And souls die and go to hell. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? That's a paid political announcement for you to be faithful during the missions revival. Amen. If there's anything more important, write it down and let me see it. I mean, just anything more important. Now, I don't have it on Friday night, so you can't put football on that. We had missions revival starting Wednesday through Sunday, and I got so in the flesh because nobody showed up on Friday night, I about resigned the church. I said, some people putting football before missions. So guess what I did? I compromised. Now it's Sunday through Wednesday. You don't even have to conflict. You can still go to your blooming ball game. So amen. But don't skip everything for the missions revival. Amen. Don't skip a, don't skip a service. It'll be a blessing. Okay. Now I got all of y'all mad and sad and glad, <laughs> wondering what in the world. Turn to Mark chapter 1 and I'll, preach, I'll stop meddling and start preaching. But I like to meddle in other people's business because it's the, it's the missionary's business to stay on the field. And I got excited this morning just watching videos from my son-in-law. Just got excited. Shouldn't have watched it on Sunday morning, but I got excited. God is blessing. 
I'm so proud to know that some of my family can step out by faith and start such a ministry. So proud, so proud. And all our missionaries. I try not to be prejudiced, but you better believe I am because I only have one family. So I'm pretty prejudiced towards my daughters, sons, daughters. All right, let's stay in all the Word of God, and maybe I'll start preaching. Maybe I won't. I hope I will. I want you to look at verse 22. We'll skip down a minute to our text. But it says, And they were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one that had authority and not as uh, the scribe. I was talking to a young man this morning in our church about starting a new Sunday school class on doctrine. Every new convert ought to be about six weeks out of Sunday school and in a doctrines class. Say amen. And you pray about that. I need two men to step forward and do that. And they were astonished at the doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as a scribe. Scribes have no authority. And look at verse 27. And they were all amazed, and in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. He cast out a demon out of a man that interrupted the service. But look at verse 28. And immediately his face, his fame, excuse me, uh, spread throughout abroad throughout all the regions around uh, Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John and but Simon's wife's mother, would that be his mother-in-law? Say amen right there. I'll prove a point in a minute. Uh, lay sick of fever and anon that tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fe fever left her. And here's the text this morning. And she ministered unto them. She ministered unto them. And at evening when the sun had set, they... They brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils and all the city was gathered together at the door. Everybody wants to get healed. And he healed many that were sick of the divers' diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils, devils to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and, were pray and there prayed. Simon and they were with him, followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. You're popular now. And he said unto them, listen to this, Let us go to the next town, towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their, in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the good singing this morning. I was just blessed by the orchestra and thank you for the musicians. And God, I just thank you for worship. Thank you for Christ-honored music. I'm glad I didn't have to hit, listen to rock and roll and have some smoke come up from this platform and get all worked up to try to worship you this morning. I could just think about heaven and think about your goodness and think about the day you saved this person that didn't have a thing to offer God, but you saved me anyway. 
And Lord, you've used me over the years, and God, I guess what I'm thrilled about this morning is just the privilege to be used. But Lord, thank you for the privilege to preach this morning, speak to hearts, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to preach a message this morning for a few minutes. I've always wanted to preach a few minutes. On Christ in the home. As soon as they left the synagogue, straightway they went to Peter's home. And that speaks of a life of determination. It speaks of a life of activity of ministry. Mark chapter 10 is our theme verse for our preaching series through Mark. The Bible says in Mark 10, 45, I believe it is, you'll turn with me. For even the Son of Man came not to minister, be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. See, the Lord came to save your unworthy soul and my unworthy soul. He didn't come for a picnic, and he didn't come just to have a good time, and he didn't come just so everybody could follow him, but the crowd started following him when he started casting out demons and when he started healing their sicknesses. And I want to tell you something, friend. I see a life of priority in our Lord. And his priority was to bring the message that will save anyone, the death, burial, and resurrection. His priority was to fulfill that message by being killed for your sins and dying for your sins and arise for your sins. Say amen. You're saved this morning. You ought to serve him. That's my subtitle. Amen. They came out of the synagogue and they came to the house of Simon Andrew and Andrew Great examples uh, for us that we need to get out of the synagogue sometime in the church and go home and have real Christianity. Bring the Holy Spirit home. And when you bring the Holy Spirit home, your home will cease to be sad. Because folks, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, if you'll turn with me there in verse 18, it says be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen? And that means be controlled. How many has ever been controlled by anger? Raise your hand. How many has ever drove really erratic because somebody cut you off? Yesterday, we was minding our own business trying to leave Gatlinburg. And my wife wanted, had this, uh, she, she's, she's a nature lover, praise God. She wanted to see some bears. I said, well, I know where some bears are. Grant Park Zoo. No, not really. And I said, I know where some bears are. And there's a little street on the left-hand side. You go up the, up the road, and it's just a one-way street. And uh, all these people had escaped after my couple's retreat session because we always leave Friday night open. He let me do the schedule for the most part. I said, just let them have a good time. One lady came back, and she had pictures of bears all over the place. And I want to tell you something, friend. Uh, uh, you know, I believe that uh, we ought to be still and know that he's God and have the joy of the Lord. Amen. And I'll tell you what, I got in traffic called Coon Hunter or somebody. Uh, who was it? Some coon, some, some Dukes of Hazard guy. Was at some stinking bar or something down in Gatlinburg. And I'm telling you, the traffic was backed up forever. I said to myself, all I want to see is a bear. I don't want to see no Brother Coon or whoever he is. Luke, I think his name was. Amen. God help him to have a good name like that. And and that's what he's known for is being a Duke of Hazard. Now, some of y'all were there, I know. I saw you. But anyway, um, uh, we finally got through that traffic jam. We got up on this road. We were just enjoying ourselves. 
Connie was killing her neck looking for bears and somebody spotted a bear up in a tree. I mean, way up in a tree. And praise God, we were just so uh, excited about seeing a stinking little bear, that little old black bear. And uh, there was a guy on the, behind me laid on his horn. Then a lady yelled out the window, Hey, move it on along. I thought, my word. And folks, I tell you what, people don't even have the joy of the Lord out in nature. And folks, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, you can be filled with anger. So I got filled with anger, jerked it in reverse and hit her. No, I didn't really. I imagined me doing that in my old nature when I was lost and a drunk. No, no, lost. I didn't ever drink. But folks, listen, your, your reactions are showing half the time. And they're showing how full of the flesh you really are. And I want to tell you something. The only thing that can bring joy to your home and, and die to self is bring the Holy Spirit home. Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled. I said all that to say this. What you're filled with is what you're controlled with. You're controlled with jealousy. You're filled, you're, you're, you're filled with jealousy. You're controlled with jealousy. You're filled with anger. You're controlled by anger. You're filled with insecurity. You're controlled by criticism. And folks, it'll control you to do some crazy things. Like blow your horn at bear watchers. Hallelujah. Just broke my watch. Y'all are in good shape now, praise God. It still works. Don't y'all get your hopes up. And then I see that, folks, when we're controlled with the Spirit of God, we have a joyful home, verse 18. Speaking yourselves in psalms and hymns and making melody in your heart. We have a thankful home, uh, verse 20. Aren't you thankful for your mate? Aren't you thankful anybody would marry you as ugly as you are? No, don't say that. Amen. Aren't, didn't all you men marry up say amen? Oh, y'all missed it. I said, didn't y'all marry up say amen? You ain't going to eat for a week if you don't get better than that. Amen. Folks, I mean, you've got a wife, and you, praise God, you've got a home, and, and, and we mully grub and complain. The Spirit of God comes home. There's joy, and then there's thanksgiving, and then there's mutual submission, verse 21, in the fear of the Lord. And I won't read this because it's not my text, and it's not my main subject, it's the introduction. 22 through 33, you have a loving home. Husbands, love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Wives, submit to your husbands. As the head of the home. And folks, two heads is a freak. Somebody's got to lead. I mean, you're a dictator. It means you're a leader. And so I said all that to say this. Peter's home changed when Jesus walked in it. And folks, I want to tell you something. Your home will change when you have the privilege of calling him friend, John 14, 23, and filled with the Spirit of God, Ephesians 5, 8. Simon received a hundredfold for what he gave up, his home, his mama, his brethren, the Bible says, you'll be restored a hundredfold. So what a miracle. What a miracle took place. The fever left. I want you to see, first of all, that we need to serve God when God touches us. We need to serve God out of gratefulness. Say amen. I felt myself this morning serving God out of duty, and I I lost the joy of it. I had to stop and pray a little while. I said, what in the world am I griping about? God saved me. I could be in hell today. I could have no purpose at all. And folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. We can get weary of the work, but we shouldn't, we, I mean, we can get weary in the work, but we shouldn't get weary of the work. Folks, isn't it a joy to serve the Lord? That's what the book of Mark's about. God is portraying himself as Jesus the servant. 
the servant. And immediately he leaves the synagogue and straight forward, the Bible says, forthwith, when he came out of the synagogue, he was going to the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John. And folks, I can tell you they're very poor because everybody lived together, amen? I mean, they were, they were taking care of each other. And so I want you to see the site of the curing. It's the house of Simon and Andrew. Verse 29, read it with me. It says, And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house, and, and Simon and Andrew with James and John. Folks, we see the place is Simon's house. And I believe it was poor because they were living with, their, with Peter's wife, their mother-in-law. They couldn't afford a place for themselves. By the way, I want to tell you something. This knocks a hole in the Catholic Church. They say that the popes and the priests are in the secession of Peter. In other words, Peter was the first pope. Now, I want to, I, I, I want to argue with the Catholic Church just a little bit here. The last time I checked, to have a mother-in-law, you had to have a wife. It's getting deep now. Say Amen. To have a mother-in-law, you have to have a wife. I gave the illustration of Pappy and Mama, uh, Grandmama yesterday because it was their wedding anniversary. They'd been married 77 years. They were married 71 before God took them to heaven. And boy, I tell you what, they weren't a dry in a place talking about how much they loved each other. I'm glad I had a mother-in-law like that. She might not remember my name, but she loved me. She might not recognize her daughter in the few last years, but she loved me. And I want to tell you something, friend. I am offended by the Catholic religion to say that a pope cannot get married. A priest cannot get married. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that you ought to get married if you can. If nobody will have you, keep yourself pure. <laughs> amen. That's what the Bible says, amen. It's better to get married than burn in lust. I want to tell you something, friend. Wednesday night I was minding my own business and watched the news. Shouldn't have done this, Brother Derek, but I watched the news for five minutes before I came to Master Club. And they had this headlines. Priests are going to meet for one month in the Catholic Church to figure out and discern why there's so many pedophiles and so many child abusers as priests. That was on the news, CBS. Check me out. I got riled up about that. They said they, tra they, they transferred one priest from Italy over to Argentina. He would molested 30 boys in Italy, so they took him over to Argentina, and he molested 22 more boys. Now, folks, if you can be a Catholic with a clear conscience after that, you need to get your head examined. You need to get your heart right with God. Pathetic. I'll tell you why. Because those old boys ought to get married. And that's a man-made rule. That's a religious rule. And folks, I want to tell you something. It's a facade. And so Peter was not the first pope. Peter was a loud-mouthed evangelist apostle that got himself in a lot of trouble. Say amen. But God forgave him. And God used him. And if God can use Peter, I think he can use me and you. Don't you call me a loud mouth. But I want to tell you this, friend. I want to tell you this, the sequel for that curing is when they came out of the synagogue, and this is a great message for us to follow, we ought to bring the Holy Spirit home. We ought to, hey, we ought not be just religious. Oh, God, help us 
people that are religious are miserable. That's why I preach against religion, whether it's Catholic, Methodist, or Baptist, or Presbyterian, baptizing baby Calvinists. I preach against it. But folks, I'm preaching against Baptists that just go to church and come home the same way. We need to live for God, and we need to serve God. We need to serve God in our home, through our home, and, and with our children. Folks, listen, we see it very clearly, is that Jesus went out of the synagogue, preached with power, taught with authority, heal, healed and rebuked the devil and the demons of hell, but he, he cared enough for Peter's mother-in-law to touch her. See, that one-on-one, there's no substitute for it. And I appreciate you that came out yesterday morning. I prayed for you while I was teaching up there in the couples retreat, marriage retreat. I said, God, use them. Because some, behind some door there's a broken heart. But they told Jesus, and he came, the Bible says, and Simon's wife's mother laid sick of fever, and annul, they tell, tell him of her. And so as soon as they came in the door, it's the custom of the lady to serve the guest and have hospitality and even wash feet. And they said immediately, hey, she's sick. She's real sick. So I see not only the supplication for the curing, but I see the sickness for the curing. I see that in verse 30 it says that she had a fever, but in Luke chapter 4, verse 38, it says it was a great fever. I believe it was so much infection that she was dying. It was so much infection she was in the bed because he had to lift her up. And so, folks, I see the sympathy from the Savior in verse 31 because the Bible says he came and he took her by the hand. Isn't that precious? I'm glad God came where I was. I'm glad you went out where they were yesterday. And, folks, we ought to have the same kind of compassion our Lord has. God God deliver you from duty. God deliver you from having to serve God. You know, God deliver me from just getting by and not doing as much as we used to do because things have changed or people are too busy. Friend, I want to tell you something, friend. We don't have a place to back down, rest, and retire. It's a time to serve the living God because more souls are going to hell and this United States is in worse shape than it's ever been and the world's in worse shape and there's more people going to hell than there ever been and folks, there's more homes breaking up than there ever been and we need to go where people are. He had sympathy that put feet on his prayers. He took her by the hand. Then he had strength to cure her because he lifted her up. And then this... The suddenness of the curing, immediately, immediately the fever left her. That's a miracle. That's a divine. She didn't take two Tylenol and get better after, after a while. God touched her. And then I want to show you the, the main reason I'm preaching this message or the main emphasis that the Holy Ghost told me to share with y'all is I see the not only the strength for the curing and the sympathy and the suddenness and the and the um, sickness and the, and the supplication in the place, but I see the serving after the curing. Look at this. It says, and she ministered unto them. Proof that it was a sudden miracle and a totally healed, she had enough strength to get up, and not only did she get up, she started serving. 
I think that's proper. I don't have been proper for uh, uh, Peter's mother-in-law to get up and preach because God don't call women to preach. Even though y'all preach a lot to us for husbands and thank God for your input. It's done in the right spirit. We need it. We need it, Brother John. Amen. We need a little help. Now, we need a lot of help. You go, amen, all that. Amen, praise the Lord. He's glad to have his wife. But I want to say this, friend. We see it, it's proper for her to get up and fill her calling to be a servant. Let me just summarize this message in the last few minutes I have is saying that we're saved to serve the Lord. We were born to serve the Lord because we were born to save. And I want to tell you something, folks. Some people come here like it's a spectator port. And some people come here like it's a lounge chair to go to sleep while I preach. And some of you come here to leave. And some of you come here to fellowship with your friends, and that's good too. But I want to tell you something, folks. We ought to come here to get equipped to serve God. I, I, I mean, I had a deacon one time leave, and I finally had him the courage after he left. He left the whole church, and I, I said, why did you leave? He says, because you expected me to serve. And I just hung my head and said, I thought that's what a deacon was, a servant. Not a board of directors, not somebody who runs the preacher, and not somebody who runs the preacher off every 3.2 years, but a servant. But folks, I want to tell you something. You don't have to have a title to serve God. You're saved to serve God. And I want to tell you something, folks. This mother-in-law, not of the first pope, but the mother-in-law of a first disciple that kept putting his foot in his mouth and sometimes backslid and even cussed, Praise God, she got up, she got up, and she immediately started serving them and him. And folks, that just spoke to my heart that this Greek imperfect tense of that word minister means she kept on serving, and she kept on serving. And I will say this, friend, God help us if the one that brought us up from the dead, I mean delivered us from hell, and we can't get up and serve God. This is not a spectator sport. This is a participation and privilege to serve the one that saved your soul. You're going to heaven. You're saved by the grace of God. There ought to be some serving grace in you. There ought to be some giving grace in you. That's why I don't apologize one bit for saying we ought to support missionaries. Somebody brought you the gospel, say amen. And we ought to take the gospel to others. And we surely ought to back those up that take their lives and gives up their homes in the comfort of good old America, which I still believe is the greatest, uh, greatest place to live in the world, and take the gospel. I saw a post from Amy today, and she was showing some of these little old guys that have been saved and grown and went through their Bible Institute and got settled and steady and mature baptizing outside in a little outside baptistry, concrete square and she said it thrills my heart to see these young men saved, grow be trained reach their friends and now pastoring a church and baptizing no greater joy Folks, listen, it's only our reasonable service that we take the gospel 
to someone because they brought it to us. And God says, serve me. He didn't say be a celebrity. He just said, serve me. And I believe that Jesus let her serve him. And you know what's so wonderful about this story is that at the evening when the sun was set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with the devils because it was a Sabbath and they couldn't even heal on the Sabbath. And all the city was gathered together at the door and they healed many and they were sick of divers' disease and cast out many devils, suffered for the devil to speak uh, because they knew him. The devils, the demons knew him. But look at this. It says, and after all this going on, when in the morning rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into the solitary place, and there he prayed. Our Lord's praying. But I see the priority here, and Simon said, and, uh, said they were with him, followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. Now I'll tell you what, if I'd been today, and somebody come to you and say, hey, you got a great following. they start some big mega church or start a TV program. But what was, the, what was Jesus' reaction? And he said to them, let us go into the next towns and I'm, that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. He said, I'll tell you something. I ain't here for a big following. And I'm not here for a healing line. And I'm not here to just get a crowd. I'm here to preach the gospel. I'm going to the next town. Because God has called me to bring salvation to a lost and dying world. Peter is serving faithfully, willingly, sacrificially, gratefully. But Jesus is moving on forthwith. Touching a leper, I'll preach on that tonight about compassion. Compassion put forth his hand and touched him, the Bible says. But folks, I want to tell you something. God saved you to serve him. God saved you to keep the right priority as Jesus kept the right priority, souls. Not entertainment, but intercession. Not just fellowships. We'll have one next Sunday night. I love them. Enjoy them. It's not fellowship. It's a furtherance of the gospel. God did not call us just to get saved and soak and sour in that salvation. God called us by His reasonable service to present our bodies. I want to close with reading the verses that were read the night that I got off the back row as a game-playing Dayton teenager that was at church for the wrong reason playing around talking playing hang the man sitting on the back row no offense for y'all sitting on the back row I don't care where you sit as long as you sit and a man F.M. Davis dying of cancer he got up and he was so pale and so weak they had to help him to the pulpit and he said, turn in your Bibles to Romans 12, verse 1. I'm going to read that in closing. He arrested my attention. Because after he read his text, some blood began to circulate in that pale, dying face. 
I mean, he was, he was months before he'd die still preaching. And he said this as he read it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I beseech you, by, brethren, by the what? The mercies of God. I'm going to tell you why God can tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you why God can tell you to do it and do it joyfully and do it immediately and give up your little schedule and give up your comforts and not try to fit God in your little life. You know, some people serve God if it's convenient. Some people serve God if it's fun. Some people serve God if it fits their schedule. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Peter's mother-in-law was so grateful that immediately she got up and she began to serve. That speaks to my heart. Folks, God, by His mercy, has saved us. Now it's our turn to present our bodies, a living dead thing, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. just want to emphasize those words, reasonable service. If somebody brought you up from the dead, don't you think you ought to say thank you? You know, thank you. Appreciate it. Healed you. And spiritually speaking, you've all been healed. Delivered you. I mean, died for you. Took your hell for you. Purchased your salvation. Full and free. And then he says, Serve me. Minister. Be not conformed to this world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know what the word prove means? Prove it out. For I say through the grace given unto you, me that every man that is among you think not of himself more highly than he ought to think. Isn't that our number one problem? But to think soberly, according to God, hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. God's given you faith. He'll give you more faith if you'll stretch it. If you'll step out in it. Look at this. For as we have many members in one body, all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one another, having then di gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. I mean, be a good administrator for God. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Listen to this now. Let love be without dissimulation. That means without hypocrisy. Without a cover. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Listen now. Be kindly affectionate, one another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Not slothful, lazy, in business, fervent in spirit. Here it is, serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. You're not serving a pope. 
You're not serving some pedophile. Pardon my bluntness. You're not serving some pastor. You're not serving some preacher. You're not serving some religion, some dogma, some denomination. You have been called to get up and serve your Savior, your Lord, because you love Him. Father, use this message. God, help us. Help us to realize that Peter's mother-in-law got up after she was miraculously healed and served you willingly. I believe sacrificially and I believe continually. Lord, help us. Help us realize where we came from and where we would be if it wasn't for your grace. God, help us to realize your mercies are new every day. But the mercy that saved us was a day that we should never get over. God, help us to be lifted up above our mundane self and selfishness and serve you willingly.